It's a good day. You know, I was reflecting this morning upon the Word of God. I was reading in Psalm 63. So (laughs) I was just reflecting upon uh, Psalm 63. And in Psalm 63, David says, Early will I seek you. Early. Early. I know for some of us who are like, well, you're trying to tie this in, saying I should get here early. I didn't say that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's about a priority. And I, I want to just commend you. Whether, listen, whether you know Jesus or you don't, whether somebody invited you or you just came on your own, whatever the case is, there's something special about taking the time of, in, in light of all the priorities that we have to prioritize truth, to prioritize uh, God's word, to prioritize what does, does God have to say to my life? And so today my task, my role is not to tell you how to live your life. My task is not to tell you right or wrong. My job is to point you to the word and let God's word speak to you and I. Amen? I guarantee you I'm not giving you my personal opinions here. And so over the last couple of weeks we've been on a series entitled, Why Not? Why Not? And what we've been looking at is this question of why not in light of the story of a man named Caleb. And Caleb was a man who was a mighty man of God. Uh, We learned that Caleb uh, was one of 12 people that were sent out by uh, Moses by the instruction of God to go and to spy out a great land that God was calling them to take over. It was a land of promise. As a matter of fact, the Bible records uh, that it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. That uh, it was a land that they would that they would inhabit, where they would enter cities that they did not build, and so it was a place of blessing, and the people of God were called there. The only problem is that when Caleb and Joshua and the other ten unnamed men that went with them got there, two stories developed. One was Joshua and Caleb, and they said, "Man, this is really great. It's a good piece of property. God has really blessed us. God, it's really true that God loves us, and that God has great promises for us, and that God is faithful to fulfill what He's called us to. That when we're shifting from a, a place of slavery where we were under the subjection of a land called Egypt for many years, and now we're coming to a place of freedom and abundance and expansion, and then you had these ten other guys who said, "Why do we have to go there?" Why we could just why can't we just go back to Egypt where we were slaves and we were subjected to harshness and and we were hungry? Why can't we just stay in the desert where it's dry and we might as well just die here? So the Bible says that at forty years old they come back, right? Forty years old Caleb is with these guys and they come back. Numbers fourteen, starting at verse seven. I'm just going to read from where Caleb starts speaking. While all this complaining is going on after they've seen these, this great land, Caleb says this. He says, the land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good. You know what he's saying? He said, man, it's not just good. It's real good. It's really, 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 really good. I mean, really, really, really. And they're going, really? And he's like, really, really. It's really, really, really good. It's more than what we thought it would be. Can you imagine that? That God tells you something and he does better than what he told you? That's scriptural, by the way. That just came out of my mouth when I was praying. That we serve a God who does exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we could ask or think according to the work in us. Right? And so, yeah, God's that that good. God God wants us to walk in that uh, provision of his, in that that relationship with him. And then in verse 8, Caleb says, if the Lord is pleased with us. Now that kind of sounds like There's some doubt there. But actually what Caleb is addressing is the doubt in their lives. 
He's addressing the issue in their hearts. And so he says, if the Lord is with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he'll, he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But here was the key. Here was the key. See, what you might not know is that 45 years later, Caleb finds himself, 85 years old, back at the foot of this mountain. But it was more than a mountain. It was more than just Mount Horeb. It was more than just Rehob that he saw in the distance. It was more than just the Anakites, these giants that dwelled in this land that God had told him, you're going to destroy all that. You're going to destroy all the enemies and you're going to take over wherever you set your foot. It was more than just that. See, the key to Caleb at 85 years old saying, I'm still strong. As strong as I was when I was 40. I'm still able. While everybody else is checking out at 85, Caleb is checking into the next stage of a relationship and a walk with God. He's like, man, God said it. That's it. I'm doing it. I can do this. But watch why Caleb, even 45 years later, is still excited. And why he did take that mountain and why he, he did defy, uh, defeat the giants of uh, Anakin. In verse 9, he says, Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Watch this. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. And then he goes on to say, Do not be afraid of them. Can I just encourage you? Because we all come from different experiences and different understandings of a relationship with God. You know, for me, at one point, I came from a very religious, rigid mindset. God was the hammer and I was the nail. That's, that's where I came from. I'm not there anymore. You know why? Because I got tired of being beat up by religion. Amen. I got tired of that. Uh, some of us, you know, uh, we, we relate to God according to what we do. You know, I got to do this for God and I got to do that for God and I got to behave for God and I got to change this for God. And so that's where we're at. And then there are others where maybe... God doesn't even factor into the equation. And listen, I'm not, telling, I'm not trying to convince anyone here of anything. I don't have to do that. My job is to literally outlay who God is, to point you to his word. God will take care of that. So I'm not here trying to convince you of anything. But what I will say to you is this, that we've all been in the same place as Caleb, where we're facing mountains. We all, we've all been in the place where we're asking questions, where we, we, we're believing and, 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 and trusting and and. And seeing beyond what we see and saying, you know what, I'm destined for more. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm going to succeed in life. I, I, I want a better future for my children. I want a, a better marriage. I, I, want, I want greater things in life. I want to overcome. I want to impact people. I want to touch lives. I want to be of use. I want to have purpose in this world. We've, we, we've all been there. We're all there. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants that. But here's the thing. With God is what makes all the difference. With God is what makes all the difference. You try living life on purpose and it's on your terms. Can I tell you, while, you, while we may accomplish a lot of things in life, we'll never feel fulfilled. It's never enough. And yet with God, it's more than enough. And so in light of this, while everybody else is saying, why? Why do we have to go? Why? Why can't we just go back to Egypt? Why? Why can't we just die in this desert? Why? 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 Why do we have to try and 
climb this hard mountain? Why do we have to face this problem? Why do, why do I have to face this situation with my kids? Why do I have to make changes in my marriage? Why do I have to uh, you know, examine how I, I view life and everything else? Why? Caleb says, why not? God is with us. And I would encourage you to just consider this question. When you're faced with difficulties in life, do you ask yourself this question? Do you even consider that God really is with you? That God really does care for you? That God loves you? And that no matter what you're facing, you can't overcome it? Really? And so you would think that with stories like the life of Caleb where he goes on to take over this mountain and, and, and overcome these giants, these giant people called the Anakites. You would think that with Joshua doing great things in, in the walls of Jericho and having all these great conquests with God, you'd think that after all that, the people of Israel would have sufficient evidence to say, you know what, God is with us and we can face whatever challenge comes our way. But the truth is that it wasn't. It wasn't for them. It wasn't for them. They struggled for years and, and, and many, many times over after that, for hundreds and thousands of years, the people of Israel have gone around in circles. And it all boils down to their inability to trust in God. Let me put it to you this way. We've all heard that phrase, have faith in God. But what does that really mean? What is faith? You know, in the church world, you'll hear all kinds of these eloquent theological explanations. Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence. Tell me how that applies to my life. And it does. It does. But if we could just really break down what faith is, faith is simply trusting in God. Just trusting in God. Trusting that God is faithful and that he's true to his nature. Trusting that God is stronger, that God is more capable, that God is wiser that God has a better plan than our plan, right? And so in the midst of that, it all boiled down to them not trusting in God. And as a result, they didn't walk often with God. Now, God continued to walk with them, but they weren't walking with him. He was there the whole time, but it was just like he wasn't. And so today we're going to be looking at a time in, in, in a season, in a, in a stage uh, of life where the people of Israel are once again in a bad situation, once again facing impossibilities, once again captive, once again stuck, once again making the same mistake again, again, again. And we're going to be looking at the life of a man named Gideon. And the thing about it is this, that while they found themselves once again in a bad situation and what looked impossible, they once again did something that they did many times over. Somebody got a bright idea at some point and went, ah, hey, you remember, you remember, that, remember that we heard about how God parted the Red Sea? And, and, we, and the people, you know, we the people were able to cross over on dry ground. Remember how when we were in the desert and it was so hot and God said, you know what? I don't want you guys to get scorched. I'm going to provide clouds to cover you by day so that way you don't, you don't get sunburned and you don't, you, don't, you don't suffer all these things in the desert. And at night, while it's cold and it's dark and we can't see a thing, he, he provided a pillar of fire that led us and kept us warm. You remember that, God? That Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, you know what? Why don't we call out? to that God why don't we call out to that God in the midst of impossibilities somebody gets the bright idea and says hey guys 
there's, there's God in the midst of this. And, and man, I, I'm tired of being a slave and I'm tired of struggling. And I'm tired of, of being abused and I'm tired of, of, of just hitting a ceiling in life and feeling like I can't get through. And somebody gets the bright idea and says, let's cry out to God. And so they cry out to God. And as a result, they once again find themselves coming to a place of new possibilities with God. They find themselves once again in a place where they're experiencing freedom and they're experiencing joy and they're expanding their borders once again where once they were beneath, now they're the head. Where once they were down, now they're up. Where once they were lacking, now they're back restored. And that's the story that we're going to be looking at today. That's the real life occurrence that we're going to be looking at through the life of this man, uh, um, Gideon. Today, I'd like, to, you, I'd like to introduce a thought to you. That life is your playing field. Life is your playing field. Life is your lot. And in the midst of life, you're called to take territory. Let me, let me, say, let me put it to you this way. Your life is your playing field, and so your children your relationships, your career, your home. In every area of your life, God wants you to expand and take territory with him. And this is what happens in the midst of this this story that we're going to be looking at. That God is inviting us to take territory. But he goes to some of the most unlikely places. Let's look at the book of Judges chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Starting at verse 1, it says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Everybody say this with me. Here they are once again. Back where they don't belong, right? But watch this. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens. Listen closely to what they're talking about. The caves and strongholds which are in the mountains. And so it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. And then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it. And so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. I want you to say this with me. Something is wrong here. There's something wrong here. Think about this. Listen, I want you to consider who we're talking about here. These are God's chosen people. These are God's chosen people. Now, lest you go, yeah, well, that's Israel. No, that, we are also God's chosen people. And let me tell you why something's wrong here. When you're chosen by God, but you're living and hiding like they were, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Listen, 
when you're hiding out, camping out, saying, you know what, I'll just stay in this little, 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 little cave of mine where nobody sees me and nobody knows me and I don't have relationship with nobody and nobody has relationship with me. When I'm just here stuck in my muck, feeling like a duck and, you know, feeling all good in life and just, I just got my little peace in life. And, and I'm, not, I'm not stepping out and I'm not accomplishing anything with God. I'm not daring to have a relationship with God. I go to church and I worship, right? And maybe I'll clap just a little. Maybe I might just hop once, right? When, 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 when that's where you find yourself, and I'm not implying that you do, but if the shoe fits, please don't wear it, change it. Yeah. Right? In the midst of this, when, your, when God's chosen people are living in hiding, something is wrong. Something's wrong. When you're, when you're sowing, you're planting, you're putting effort forward, you're sowing into relationships, when you're sowing into your career, when you're sowing into the kingdom of God, when you're sowing into lives, when you're sowing into your children, when you're sowing into your marriage, when you're sowing for the future, when you're sowing, but you're not reaping, something is wrong here. Something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. Something's wrong. Listen, when you're created anew in Christ... To live life and a life that's fruitful. When that's God's purpose and that's God's desire for your life and mine. And that is God's desire for everyone. Not just you who call yourself Christian. But you who maybe you don't know Jesus. You who maybe you've, you followed God at once and now you're distant and far away. And maybe you're going, well, I don't know. I'm going to try this and I'm going to check this out. Or maybe I'm just going to see what this God thing is about again. Maybe you're back here and, and this is just a new start. But when you're created anew in Christ to live a fruitful life, but you allow it to be destroyed by others, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Listen. It amazes me. You know, the, the Bible is, is more than a book. The Bible is real life accounts that portray and illustrate to us God's goodness. Yeah. You might be saying, well, how is God good in the midst of this? Because God didn't design them for that. They stepped away from their understanding of God, from a personal relationship with God. And here they are struggling. But it, I, I think about the imagery of the words that God uses to convey to us what's actually happening here. It says that these people found themselves hiding in caves and that the people that they allowed to overtake them, that they came like locusts. You know what a locust is? Locust is a little bug that operates. They have like this herd effect. They run in numbers. And when they come, they don't just eat what's there, they destroy it to the root. It doesn't come back. And here's what I want you to begin to see here. That God is coming to his people and they've lost it all. Everything has been destroyed. They've given everything they've sown up. Their enemies are prevailing against them. And God says, I'm bringing you back from what the locust has destroyed. Where you thought there is no possibility. Where you thought, I can't make it. I've messed up one too many times. Where you've believed, I'm messed up. I'm jacked up. I'm backing up. There's no purpose in seeking God. There's no purpose in even trying to know God. There's no purpose in even trying to do something with my life. God says, I know it looks like there's nothing there. But watch me restore your life. 
Watch me restore. Watch me restore. And so, if you're going to take territory with God, let me just encourage you with something. If you're to expand in life, if you're to see what's possible in relationship with God, you got to recognize when something's wrong. But you know why? So you can take hold of what's right. So you can take hold of what's right. Let me give you an example of this. A couple of years back, um, my wife and I, we had one, one vehicle. This was many years ago. We had just moved up here. We had one vehicle. We had, it looked like a spaceship. It was a Nissan Quest. It was brand new. It looked like you were in a cockpit in the car, right? But, you know, my wife was getting up at 4.30 in the morning to get me to the train by 5.15. And then she was picking me up at 7.30. And then we would go to church. And it was just nuts. We finally end up getting a new, another car. I bought a used uh, 2003 Jeep Liberty. This was like 2008 or so. So it, 2008, 2009, somewhere around that time. But I bought her a, a Jeep Liberty, right? And, uh, and it, I got it fully loaded. It had everything. It looked pristine. It had very low miles. And so it was a good thing. And so we had the car for, for a while. And then all of a sudden, one day she's driving. And we're in the car, you know, and she's, she's got the top open and all that. And, and all of a sudden, you hear bing, 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 bing. And she says, hon, there's an engine light. And I said, ah, that's no big deal. Don't worry about it. The car's driving. Keep going. No biggie. Keep driving. She's driving. Next day, hon, the engine light is off. No big deal. Don't worry about it. Right? And so we went like that. And we we had just, uh, I think we had just renewed the registration or something. Whatever it was. Uh, So I was like, oh, don't worry about it. We got time. And so that kept happening for a while. Right? Then I took it to to a mechanic and I said, listen, man, this light keeps coming off. It must be something with the sensor. And he guy goes, no, you got something with your exhaust system wrong. I say, is there any way you could just patch it up? Just, you know, do whatever the quick fix is. So guy does that. And he, uh, he, 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 goes, he goes ahead and he does that, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the car's all right for a while. And then I give it to my daughter. I give it to my daughter and my, and my daughter, uh, she's driving. And then one day she calls me, she goes, dad. She says, the engine light went off. I said, oh, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. No biggie. It's fine. Are you still being able to drive? She goes, yeah. I said, just keep driving. Then one day she, find, she calls me and she goes, hey, dad. I said, what? She says, I'm stuck. I said, what are you talking about? She says, the car broke down. And so I'm like, uh, uh, well, what's wrong with it? She goes, that's why I'm calling you. So I'm like, I'll be there. So I go and we get the car towed, whatever. And my point with here and sharing that with you is simply this, that what started off as something wrong with that car ended up costing me dearly to such a great extent. Something that I could have easily addressed became such a huge mess. And you know, sometimes we see something's not working in life. And you know what we do? Oh, it's no big deal. It's all right. I'm still living. I'm still good. I got this. Don't worry about it. I'll just patch it up. But something's wrong. Something's wrong. And so when you recognize when something is wrong, do it so you can take a hold of what's right. That makes sense? Anyway, we got to get back to the story. So Judges chapter 6 verse 11. Right? So God has heard the cry of his people. And he says, I got a solution. Right? And so Judges chapter 6 verses 11 through uh, 16 says this. 
It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which, belong, which belonged to Joash the Aberazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from, from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? And so he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's uh, house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. As one man. So check this out. God decides to go to the most unlikely place to bring forth a solution. God shows up, and he speaks to this guy named Gideon. And he says, hey, Gideon, just a quick Bible geek fact. When the Bible says in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord showed up, it's referring to Jesus. That's what it's talking about. And so Jesus shows up and he speaks to Gideon and he introduces himself this way. He says, mighty man of valor. And Gideon goes, wait. You, you must, there's nobody else here, but I, I don't know, maybe you're talking to that donkey back there or my dad out there or something. Gideon's in hiding. He's in a wine press, in a place that's meant to be used for the purposes of, uh, of smashing fruit a, a, in order to create wine. And he's in that wine press and what he's doing is he's threshing wheat there. So he's hiding. And God goes where he's hiding. Listen closely. Because I dare say this, not in, not, not in condemnation, but I dare say that maybe some of us are still hiding. And here you are thinking that you've got to come to God, not realizing that God's already come to you. He comes to him in a place of hiding and he says to him, hey, mighty man of valor. Gideon goes, who, me? And God says, yeah, you. He says, well, God, if, if God is really God, then how come we're going through this? How come we're stuck here? How come everything's gone wrong? And God's response to him is this. He says, I've got you. I'm sending you to deliver my people. I'm sending you to bring a solution. Let me just give you a point here. That God's solution is always found in the most unlikely places. Let me, let me tell you where. You. 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 Here we are going. Somebody help me. Here we are going. Somebody pray for me. Here we are saying, God, somebody do something for Somebody come and deliver me. And God did not send armies. God did not send pe- these great people. God says, hey, Gideon, I'm sending you. Hey, listen, the greatest mountains that we face in life. You know what God's saying? Here we're going, God, what are you going to do? And God's saying, I'm sending you. I'm using you. I'm going in partnership with you. It's you. 
And so if you're going to take territory with God, if you're going to see expansion in your life, you've got to realize that the solution lies within you. It lies within you. And if you're going to take territory with God, if you're going to see expansion in your life, then you've got to realize something. I need you. I want to encourage you with something that you have to know who you are. You have to know who you are. You have to know how much God is for you. You have to know that God can bring you through anything. You have to know that God's not sending you a champion. You are the champion. You got to know that God's not sending you a solution. You are the solution because he's with you and he's for you and he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. You can't fail. It reminds me of a story I once heard. Maybe I shared it here at some point. It reminds me of a story of these animals. They all get together and they say, you know what? We got a bright idea. Let's create an animal school so that all animals can do everything that every other animal does. So the rabbit says, you know what? I'm going to teach a course. I'm going to create a curriculum on hopping real fast. And all the animals go. And the bird says, I'm going to create a curriculum where you can fly real high and far. And so everybody goes. Everybody's excited. The groundhog says, I'm going to create a curriculum where everybody knows how to burrow holes under the ground. And so everybody goes. The fish says, I'm going, to, I'm going to create a curriculum where everybody can learn how to swim. And so they create all these curriculums. They upstart the school. All these animals show up. And the, the fish did really well at swimming. But then all of a sudden, he went to try and uh, uh, take the, the course on how to hop real fast like rabbits. And he, so he gets to the start line and he begins to... to I need water. And so he failed. And the rabbit decides, you know what? I want to fly real high. And the rabbit goes and, he, and, he, and the only problem was he gets up to the top of the tree and then he jumps off and he would break a bone every time he landed. Then he was all crippled. What's my point with this simple story, with this simple analogy? Listen, you got to know who you are so you can stay in your lane. Listen, God has called you to overcome in life. God has called you to take territory, not to wait on him for a solution. You're the solution in your marriage. You're the solution with your children. You're the solution in your workplace. You're the solution for your future because God is with you. With you. With you. With you. I love the way Jesus put it in Matthew 19. He says this. He says, you know, with men, it's impossible, guys. But with God, all things are possible. All things. All things. All things. You know, all means all. It means your kids. It means your marriage. It means your home. It means your doubts. It means your worries. It means your concerns. It means your finances. It means your dreams. It means your talents. All things are possible with God. See, partnership with God will never fail you. Partnership with God will never fail you. And so I love what God says to Gideon. Because it says to Gideon, I've chosen you. You're my solution. You're going to make this happen. And he goes, who, me? And then God says this to him. Go in this might of yours. You know what God was saying? You've already got it. Because I'm already with you. So go in that might. Go do something big. Go dare to dream and, and try something you've never tried before. Go and see what's possible with me. Go and see how I can take all that's been destroyed in your life and resurrect it and bring you to new life and greater heights. Go. Go there. And so Gideon finally gets to a place where he, he realizes, okay, I got you, God. I get it. I got it. 
I'm it. I'm going. But then Gideon has to confront something that's very close and personal for him. Something that was, would be a hurdle in his life unless he addressed it. And you know what that was? Gideon was a pagan. Gideon wasn't just in slavery, but Gideon got to a point where he started worshiping other gods. Another god called Baal. And so they had all these altars around. Hitting his father's house all over. And so Gideon gets a, a, a visual. God, you're calling me to step out and take territory. You're calling me to address all those areas where we're lacking, where we're enslaved. But then Gideon, the Bible says that that very night, he goes and he tears down the altars. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. Because it wasn't just physical altars that he was destroying, that he was tearing down. It was customs. It was mindsets. It was religion. It was dysfunction. Let me tell you. Gideon had prioritized all these things that he thought life was about. And so if you're going to take territory and see expansion in your life, I want to encourage you with something. You got to tear down the altars in your life. You got to tear down those things that take first priority over God who's first and loves you. See, we all have to face this question. What takes first place in my life? What's first place? Is it people? Is it my hurt? Is it my anger? Is it my regrets? Is it money? Is it career? Is it the accolades from others? Is it esteem? Is it finding my lot in life and having, reaching a certain socioeconomic uh, 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 status, so to speak? What is it? Pastor, I don't have altars. Well, praise God, good for you. But you know what? One thing that I know is true is this, that we've all been there where something else took top priority over God. And if we're not careful, even while we love the Lord and we're seeking a personal relationship with God and we're discovering Jesus with us, at times we take our eyes off of that. And we come and we go and we sway this way and sway that way. And we're moved by this and we're moved by that. And we're embarrassed and we're ashamed and we're this. And and we've got all these excuses. I want to encourage you today to place God first in everything. Place God first in everything. I'm going to give you an example from the words of Jesus as we're wrapping up here today. About placing God first in everything. Luke chapter 9 starting at verse 57, says this, Now it happened that as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, someone said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, if you're going to follow me, just, just understand what you're saying. That I'm, I don't even have a place to get comfortable in. But you know why? Because Jesus is always on the move. God hasn't called you and I to settle in life. He hasn't called us to get comfortable with addiction, to get comfortable with dysfunction, to get comfortable with accolades and money. He hasn't called us to get comfortable with our living environment. He hasn't called us to get comfortable with the mindsets. He hasn't called us to get comfortable in that. Still still waters stink. You do know that, right? So Jesus says, listen... 
I'm not calling you to comfort here. Then another said to him, follow me. He said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. That's messed up, man. Jesus, man, like no sympathy, no compassion. Why, why would Jesus say that? You know what Jesus was saying? Listen, he's dead. But you still want to carry him. You want to bring that with you. You're putting, you're putting your past, you're putting those things that have died in your life as a first priority. And I'm inviting you to something greater. Can I tell you something about dead people? Not because I have a carried one. But dead people are heavy. Dead things stink. Dead things decay. And see, that's not what God is calling us to. To dead things. He says, no, 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 no. Don't put those things first. Notice what the guy says. He says, first. He says, I'll follow you, but first, first, first. Let me go and bury my dead. Then another said to him, verse 61, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That word fit there simply means that you can't find your place. I want you to consider what Jesus is saying here. What's first? Because I put you first. I chose you while you weren't choosing me. I loved you when you were unlovable. I've seen you when you were messed up and and you thought that there was no redemption for you and I reached out to you there and I'm still there with you even if you choose to stay stuck there, but I'm with you and I love you. And so Gideon gets to this place where he says, all right, I'm going to overtake the Midianites. I'm doing this, taking this land. He tears down these altars and then he grabs a horn and he goes, dun, 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 and 32,000 men show up ready for war. They show up. They're excited. They're like, Rawr! we're taking this land. We're destroying the minute. And they're all excited. And God says, excuse me, excuse me, Gideon, sir, sir. There's too many people for you to do this. And Gideon goes, wait, 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 God, but, but I got all the people out. I'm ready to go. God says, you got too many. He says, tell them. Let me show you. He says, tell them, whoever's afraid, that they can go home. So Gideon does that. 22,000 men leave. 22,000. Gideon looks around. He goes, oh, I still got 10,000. Okay, cool. We got this. <clears throat> Gideon, excuse me. What's up, Dad? He says, uh, we still got too many. Don't you see the size of this army? Don't you see they're encamped all over this valley? We're surrounded, God. He says, let me prove it to you. He says, tell all the men to get a drink of water. And he says, but watch them. He says, Watch those, watch for those who, when they go to drink water, they get on their knees and they lap water like dogs. In other words, they just stick their face in the water and drink. And he says, and then watch 
for the men that when they go to drink water, they kneel down, but they hold their sword with one hand and they grab water with their hand with the other and they drink this way. And the Bible says that 9,700 men lap water like a dog. I know, you did the math, right? You're getting there. Wait, 300 men? What? 300 men, that's it? And God says, now you got what you want, but now you got what you need. Now you got what you need. You know what's interesting? Share a thought with you. Share a thought with you here about this. That if you're going to take territory and see expansion in your life with God, you got to be mindful of who you're taking with you. You got to really think about who you're taking with you. God has called us to this great thing. Man, we're going to take mountains. We're going to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. God has called us and everybody gets excited about a vision. Everybody gets excited and pump, 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 pump me up. And all of a sudden, you ought to take a step and go. God, what happened? He says, you got what you need. You got what you need. Listen, check this out. The Bible says that Gideon gets to a, uh, that, that Gideon gets to a place, right? God says, wake up, Gideon. Wake up. In Judges 7, he says, wake up, Gideon. He says, get up. He says, it's time for you to go, go defeat them. And the Bible says that Gideon was afraid. He's afraid. And so God says, go, you go down there. Go down there with, with your partner right here, with your boy. Go down there. Get down there. And when you get down there, listen to what they're saying. And the Bible says that Gideon gets down there. And that the, the, guys are t- the, the enemy's talking about a dream that, they, that somebody had. And missing the dream, what it basically reveals is the interpretation of it is that God is going to destroy the Midianites. So Gideon gets all pumped up. And he says, all right, guys, let's get going for battle. And you know what they take? Backpacks and horns. They take gear and horns and a pot in the other hand. That's it. No swords, no shields, no nothing. The Bible says that God did this in such this way so that because if he allowed those people to remain there, that at the end of the battle, they would say, look what we did. Look what we did. Let me tell you, little's much in God's hands. Little's much in God's hands. God uses the most unlikely things to show himself off. And I thank God for everything he's doing, everything he's ever done. Because God does, does big things in small places. And so I want to encourage you with something because, man, Gideon was putting his, his, his priority and, and his confidence in the partnership with all these men. And God says, no, 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 no. You're going to partner with me. And so he blows the horn and he says to them, all right, guys, this is what we're doing. Grab your horn on your right hand. Grab your pot on your left hand. And we're going to go down and we're going to surround them. And these guys are going, okay, cool. This is what God said. They get there. The Bible says that they blow the horn. They smash the pots and they cry out the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And the Bible says that the enemy hears this and they get afraid and they begin to kill each other. They begin to destroy each other. Can I tell you something? That when you're facing mountains 
and you're in partnership with God, you don't have to worry about working it out on your own. God has already made the way and you'll see the solution come to pass. It'll be without effort because God does the impossible. He makes it possible. He makes it possible. And so I want to leave you with just two points here as we're wrapping up. That you can only overcome by the power of God. You can only overcome by the power of God. You can only overcome addiction with God. You can only overcome uh, 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 wrecked relationships with God. You can only uh, see restoration in relationships with your children with God. You can only uh, get to new heights and, and see everything that's been destroyed in your life raised again and you prospering and you being successful and you having confidence and you feeling good about yourself and you seeing yourself differently with God. You can only do that with God. See, this isn't just Gideon's story. This isn't just Israel's story. This is our story. And it's a personal invitation that says, I've called you to more. I've called you to overcome. I've called you to, to, to go against those mountains and see my hand at work in your life. But it's with God. With God. Let's stand here today. You know, for a long period in his life, Gideon was approaching things according to how God fit in his head. You know what that's called? He was approaching it naturally. Well, God, you're going to do it with these people. God, you're going to bring somebody else because I'm too small. I'm the youngest in my household. I'm of the least tribe in all Israel. I can't do it. And God says, no, 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 no. no. I'm going to show you. You're, you're, you're thinking according to natural terms. But I'm a God that does the supernatural and makes your life naturally super. I'm the one who brings the possible into your impossibilities. And so listen, as we're closing here today, if you're going to take territory with God, if you're going to see expansion in your life, you have to get ready for supernatural results. You've got to believe that God can do what you can't. And that God will do what you can't. You've got to trust God. Hey, maybe you don't know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're distant and you've been kind of pushing away from a relationship with God. Maybe one time you were thriving in a relationship with God and then you just said, you know what? Somebody hurt me. That pastor said this. This person did that and you stepped away. I'm telling you that God goes to your hiding place. And today there's a personal invitation that says, I still love you. I'm still with you. I'm still for you. I'm still bringing you out. I'm restoring what the locust is eating. I'm bringing you back. You, you might think you're set back, but I got you on a comeback. I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, maybe Jesus is something that's been distant for you. But today, here's where you are. You say, you know, I've been down, I've been out. But I want that with God. I want a personal relationship with God. I want to face mountains and not fear anymore. I want to stand up and not cower anymore. I don't want to hide anymore. I want to step out. I'm telling you, if that's where you're at, you're prime, ready, and ripe for all that's possible with God. Get past the excuses. Let go. Let God. If you believe that in your heart today, then... Here's all it takes. We're going to pray this with you, all of us together. We're going to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid a price for me. And today, 
The impossible's possible with you. Today I declare you're my Lord and Savior. Today I'm walking with God. Hey, if you prayed that today for the very first time and you believe that in your heart, listen, we celebrate your relationship with God. And I'm telling you that you've shifted from impossible to possible. You're rising up. You're getting up. You're seeing new heights in life where you might have questioned why. Now you you can stand up and say confidently, why not? With God, it's possible. With God. With God. Father, today we thank you. That you would look at us, Lord. And where we've been, what we've done, what we do, how we think. And you say, yeah, you. I've chosen you. Yeah, you. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, you. You're the solution here. Yeah, you. I'm sending you. Yeah, you. I've still got great purposes and plans. Yeah, you, you, you. Yes, you, you. You, Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you that today hearts are strengthened. Mindsets are renewed. Miracles have happened here today in the hearing of your word because faith, trust in God is at work in these, your people, Lord. Now, Lord, I pray, oh God, open their eyes daily to see the truth. Instead of saying, who, me? Let them go to, yeah, me. Yeah, me. Yeah, me. I can do this. And so, Father, today we leave here with confidence in you. We trust you. We ask you for continued wisdom and guidance. And we thank you that with you, it's possible. In Jesus' name, amen.